Well, um, hey, I'm Carlo, one of the pastors here, and uh, oh, just one other thing to remind you, that we do have scholarships available for that time, so if, if money's an issue, please don't let that stand between you and, and coming. We want all the guys who want to be there to be there. Well, so last night, I am, I'm working on my, just kind of finishing the last few touches on my sermon. Eventually, I just have to go to bed, though, unhappy, unsatisfied. Because it just wasn't there. I hadn't landed it. I woke up around 5 this morning, and I'm laying there in bed praying, and I'm just stewing on it. I'm like, Lord, is there something different that I need to do? What adjustment does I, do I need to make? Am I supposed to uh, go a different direction? An hour goes by. Finally, I get up, and now I get on my face. Now I'm like, for real praying. Like, Lord, it's go time. <laughs> I need either... I need to either punt or I need to touch down this thing, okay? And so then it's like, oh, we're going to change this thing? Really? Like, wow. Like, delete that chunk and that chunk? Wow, that's a lot of words, Lord. Here goes. Oh, my goodness. So all that to say that if this is a little bit disheveled, a little bit disjointed, forgive me. Hopefully, though, what message comes out of here is really what God has for the community. Because so I was willing, I said, like, Lord, if you have a different message to give to the people that's from your word, that's, that, that speaks to the heart of what we need today, I don't, I don't want to get in the way of that. I would rather have it be a little bit, um, maybe not as eloquent, not as put together and polished, but have your message ring true. So can we pray? And the Holy Spirit will just go. God, we say we're here to receive. You are the real message deliverer today. Let me just be a mouthpiece. Let people hear what you want to speak. Because you're alive. Your Holy Spirit is present. You're in each one of us who believes in Jesus. And your presence is here ministering and knocking on hearts and expect. Um, explaining things and revealing things. So do that today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go up to Lakeside Bible Camp and lead, co-direct a camp with a guy named Christian from the college ministry here. Our families were up there with around 130, 140 people, like 90 kids, tons of fun, learning about God, growing, playing in the water, having a great time. Me and my wife, we're in a queen bed with three kids of ours on bunk beds and three of their friends on bunk beds in the room. So, you know, not, not like your romantic getaway and definitely like trying to get to sleep and get everybody quiet was exhausting after an exhausting day already. And there were times when Kelly and I were just, we're just both asleep. We're just comatose with everybody else is still talking and doing who knows what. But it was a great time, you know, and you got all these kids around, all these parents with the baby on their hip, you know, juggling them and trying to do all kinds of fun stuff. Every now and then you go up, maybe, oh, grab a baby. Hey, can I hold your baby and, uh, you know, your little one? And yeah, sure. But you know when the baby's at that certain age where they're like, no, I ain't going with you. I don't know who you are. And they start doing that, like pushing off of you thing or just full on busting into hysterics and tears and you feel like that 
jerk and you're like, oh, sorry, I, got a, I don't guess I don't know how to hold a kid. You give him back to the parent. Yeah. That, that clinginess, right? That, that just desire to be with a parent, to trust in that parent and no one else. That's where we're headed today. That was the adjustment from where we were going. It's the same text we were going to be in, 2 Kings chapter 18. It's about a third of the way through your Bible, or if you got a uh, smartphone app, just grab it on there, or you're welcome to follow along on the screen. We'll start off with verse 1. Listen to this. In the year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. Okay, now catch this. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. Finally, a king who does what is right. And when we got 42 kings in this split kingdom, remember there was a civil war that started very early, divided the kingdom in half. Of the 19 kings of the north, all bad, just totally evil dudes doing heinous things, king after king after king. The southern kingdom, there are almost 50-50. Only about eight of the kings total out of the 42 are described as good. Hezekiah, he's kind of in a league all of his own. Listen to what it says next. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him in all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given to Moses. There was no one like him of all the kings before or after. Wow, this guy was something. He held fast to the Lord. And did not stop following him. No matter what he faced in his life. And we're going to see later. He went through some intense crises. Let's take a closer work, uh, look at that phrase held fast. It's actually a translation. The past tense of a Hebrew verb. Debak. Now I got this uh, help from Tim on the Hebrew. Because I am not a Hebrew scholar. So trust me, though, it's legit, because Tim knows what's up with that. The word can also be translated cling to, keep close to, or cleave to. When I was, when I was uh, a dad of, of younger kids, I remember this experience of coming home and a kid greeting me, boom, at the door, and they, 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 they're about that high, and then they just, boom, cinch down and lock around your, your leg. Kind of like this. <laughs> you ever, have you ever seen that before? And they're just like, gotcha, Dad. I ain't going nowhere without you. And you ain't going, no, I dare you to try and get up and move. And then, you know, the other one would come in, just got me, you know. And you're like, now you're trying to walk and they're having so much fun just giggling just having a blast and you're trying to not fall down and and move around the house and kind of sweep the floor with them as you go 
such a good time. That's that's clinging. That when I think of clinging, that's what I think of of in my mind. It's a helpful image. And imagine that relationship with God like that. You see, it's it's not supposed to be just this like rule following, doing all the right things. That's not what God's looking for. He wants us to 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 come up to him, greet him and just be like, Whoop. "I got you, Lord." And I ain't going anywhere without you. And you are going anywhere without me. I dare you to try. And anybody else who tries to come pull you off of him? Uh-uh. I'm screaming, man. I want back with my father. That's what God's looking for. That's what, what he says was right in his eyes. Where do you think God might be inviting you to trust him? To cling to him. The text says that Hezekiah trusted God, held fast to him, clung to him, and did not stop following him. Well, what did this look like practically? We learn from another historical record, 2 Chronicles 29, verse 3. That in the first month of the first year of his reign, he, Hezekiah, opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. Hezekiah made worship the first priority. He, 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 he had this dad who was a total jerk face. I mean, wrecked it in every way. He closed down the temple took these sacred articles that God had, had told Israel to create and use for worship and, and desecrated them. He, he created all these other pagan uh, rituals and, and just involved other religions and all these places around the country where people could worship these other gods. That God is the real God. No, don't do that. What, is, what does Hezekiah do? Very first thing. I mean, imagine this. Whoever's elected president, imagine this, coming into office, and first thing they do is, let's get right about worship. Let's center on God. Uh, we're, we're opening the temple. Somebody give me a hammer. We're, we're peeling back the, the wood, do not enter sign that's over the door. And in fact, speaking of the doors, he put gold over these massive doors. He encased them with gold because worship was to be so central and vital and important for the people of Israel. He wanted himself to be right with God, to be clinging to God. But then he also wanted to help the people to get that right focus. That's prioritizing God. That's putting him first. That's trusting in him and, and saying, if we get that right, then everything else can get right. Flipping back to our text in 2 Kings, we see another outcome of clinging to God. I like the way Eugene Peterson describes it from verse 4. You'll have to follow along with the screen on this one. He got rid of the local fertility shrines, smashed the phallic stone monuments, and cut down the sex and religion Asherah groves. As a final stroke, he pulverized the ancient bronze serpent that Moses had made. Pulverized. I love that, that rendering of it. And 
you know, the, the reason he did this, it's because false gods hurt people. The idols of sex, money, power that we can all tend to bow down to, they hurt us. They ruin us. Jesus put it this way. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't cling both to God and your 401k. You can't cling to God and that girlfriend, to God and that promotion you got at work, to God and a better physique, to God and there is no and. You cling to God alone. Now, just to be clear, we're not about pulverizing anything locally or nationally or internationally as a people, right? This is, this, is a, uh, this is not a Christian nation. It is a multi-ethnic, multi-religion, uh, multi-all kinds of stuff. Um, and we, our job is, is different than, than right here, okay? We're, not, we, we're to be the light of the world. We're not um, to be pulverizing things. Um, but I do love that word, and I love it. He pulverized the bronze serpents. That's just it's a great word. But what might it look like in our lives? It, perhaps it's pulverizing a few hours at work so that we can devote that time to our family, to the family of God, to worshiping Him. Or maybe it's getting rid of the bottles that cause us to drink too much. Canceling certain magazine subscriptions or websites that we stumble upon. Not just porn, but but frivolous stuff that makes us covet and makes us feel jealous. Or maybe it's cutting out gossip from our conversations or cutting up credit cards that have, have us so deeply in debt that we have nothing to give. What about paying more attention to the beauty on the inside, making our hearts beautiful than making our bodies beautiful? What is it you need to cut down or cut out of your life? Where in your life could you do some demolition work? So Hezekiah, he trusted God. He clung to him, removed obstacles that hurt people. And check out from verse 7 what happens. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. Now, I could stop the sermon right there and just camp out there and give this 
message that if you follow God, you too can have this kind of success. In fact, if you act now, we will throw in the Ginsu knives. You will have a wonderful three-car garage in your home, and you will have friends, and it will be the most blessed life for the rest of your life. He does have that kind of success, and it says God did give it to him. And in fact, if you read other places, you'll see, wow, things went great. I mean, money, riches, power, asserting authority over enemies. It was just, life was good. I think the danger here this morning is that that many of us may be in a similar place. We're killing it. Things are going well. We got our friends. We got our money. We don't have really many needs. You know, okay, I'll trust to God, but I'm not really clinging to anything. The danger, friends, is that if you don't learn how to cling to God in that time when all is well, in the time of tempting or testing, we can be easily swept away. You know, what, what about when life goes sideways? Many of us know people who walked into a doctor's office one day, walked out with cancer, or at least the knowledge that they had cancer. Go to work one day and get your two weeks' notice. Get that message from a spouse. I don't love you anymore. What do we do when those intense trials come? Will we still cling to him? Will we be like Hezekiah and trust in the Lord no matter what? Remember last week, Tim talking about this king of Assyria and his vast, intense army coming down and wiping out the kingdom of north took three years to sack Samaria. And then he starts pushing some pressure on Hezekiah and the people of Judah. Hezekiah tries to appease him with money, millions of dollars in gold and silver, thinking that would be enough He even takes the gold off of the doors of the temple. Can you imagine how discouraging that would be? After all the prominence you've given to God, after making Him so first and foremost in your life and the life of your nation, saying, guys, got to chisel it off. We got to give away all of that gold. It would be hard to trust in the midst of that. You know, sometimes we're, we're doing all the right things, but life still gangs up on us and just puts a royal beat down. Will we still trust? Well, for, for Hezekiah, it goes from bad to worse. The money he gave to try and appease him, the tribute that he gave wasn't satisfying. And the king of Assyria decided to send his massive army to destroy Judah, to destroy the people of Israel, 
take town after town after fortified city after fortified city. And you can, you can imagine, you know, come with me to the walls of Jerusalem. Imagine us, we're standing there, and we're inside these, these walls that are as high as the ceiling. They're, they're three feet thick and, and more. And we're hoping, just hoping that that will be enough to hold back this enemy that's so wicked that what they do to their enemies when they capture them sometimes, just to send a message, is they skin them alive. Imagine the fear that you're feeling as you hear the footsteps coming closer of thousands upon thousands of infantrymen and cavalry. And then, sure enough, three of the leaders of the king's men come and shout up to your your walls. And you hear them shouting, Hey! We're going to take you down. Don't trust in the king. He can't save you. And guess what? Your God is the one who told us to come and smash you. So make peace with us. And we will give you land and your own fig tree to live under. It can go well. Just make peace. Don't listen to the king. And the, and, the, and the officials of the king are like, shh, shh, hey, talk to us in, in Aramaic. Don't, come on, man. Shh, don't talk in Hebrew, the language of the people. You know, please. And the, these three leaders are like, ah, you think this is for you and the king to hear? We want everyone to hear that your people will be eating their own filth and drinking their own urine. Can you imagine the fear of being trapped inside of these walls, surrounded by an enemy, knowing that if the food runs out, the water runs out, it's going to get really ugly. Can you still trust God in that? Oh, man, I can't imagine it. I, I, that, would, that would be such a trial. Jesus didn't promise that everything would work out. In fact, he promised the opposite. He said that in this world, you will have trial. His very life is a testament to this. Think about it. He was born in poverty. He left with his family as refugees. He came back to a country under an oppressive regime. He grew up and faced resistance from the religious authorities. He was betrayed by a close friend and eventually murdered in a torturous death on a cross. He knows about suffering. And yet he promised, before facing all this, he said, Don't worry. I have overcome the world. Before he even did it, he's said, it's done. I have overcome the world. He held fast. He clung to God in the midst of the most dire circumstances. 
complete and utter dependence on the Father. I don't know about you, but for me, I, this last year, I feel like I've experienced a greater level of worry and anxiety about the state of our world and the state of our country. From school shootings to the racial intense hatred and distrust, from the wars in Iraq and the, and the, the influx of, of all of these peoples to, the, to Europe and around the world, from the hostility between political parties and, and the different plans and hopes of what each one's going to do. Are we going to have a massive wall between us and, and Mexico? Are we going to uh, allow Muslim people in? Are we going to keep them out? Uh, it goes on and on. And, and it seems like the more that you listen, the more it can just stir up this whirlwind of anxiety and fear of what's going to happen. I need to cling to God. And so I went to Hagen's and I got four rolls of tape. This is it, people. This is this is it. This is where it all comes down. You see, this tape, it's clinging to my finger. Right? What I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm going to invite each one of us to take a piece of tape. And these pieces of tape, they might represent something to you like, maybe, maybe you'd put it on your finger as a way of saying to God, I'm not going to cling to things that are physical, that, that are temporal, that, 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 I, that really are, are not as trustworthy as they look. Or maybe you'd, you'd say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my piece of tape on my phone because I want to remind myself not to cling to my friendship base. What my followers say on Instagram or how many people like my posts on Facebook. I'm not going to cling to... Maybe it's your, maybe your keys. Maybe, maybe you put a piece of tape there and you say... I'm not going to cling to the home that I really, really want to get and that I've been saving for with my husband, but we're having trouble finding one. And I hope that that has for security. Or maybe it's the car that you're hoping to get. You're in high school. And you, you just, man, if I can just get that car. Maybe you put it on your wallet. It's a way to say, I'm not going to put my confidence and I'm not going to cling to my financial security, my 401k. Maybe similarly but different. I'm not going to cling to my credit card. You put it on there for now. For now. Um, 
didn't mean to say that, um, and say, I am not going to cling to being able to just go out and buy stuff. You know, when I get anxious, I'm going to just oh, get a little knickknack, get a little treasure for myself. Maybe you'd, maybe you'd put that piece of tape on your heart. They'll just say, I'm, I'm not going to put my confidence in my, my home, my family, my wife and kids. That that wouldn't be what I cling to for security. Maybe it's, maybe it's your ear. You'd put it on your ear as a way of saying, I'm not going to put my confidence and my hope in that if I just listen enough to the news, I'll know who to vote for. If I just get enough sound bites, I will be safe because I'll know everything that's going on in the world. I wonder where God is inviting you to put your trust or to replace the trust from one thing we know he wants to put it on him friends we all are being tested we all will be tested in our lives and in that time of testing who will we cling to Will we be ready? Because Jesus is ready. He's not afraid. He's not afraid of cancer. He's not afraid of World War III. He's not afraid of economic meltdown. He's not afraid of needing a hip replacement. He's not afraid of divorce. He is steadfast and solid rock. We can put our hope and our trust in Him. Let's do that together. Will you pray with me? God, each one of us has a piece of tape that uh, that's probably in a slightly different place, whether we have it there physically or not. There's a place that, that we tend to put our trust and our confidence that we are wanting to cling to things that in the moment of testing won't hold up, won't hold us. Lord, would you help us to, to put our confidence in you, to trust in you like Hezekiah did, to trust in you like Jesus did, in the face of severe trial, that we would put our confidence In you alone, we would cling to you like a small child does to their parent when they want no one else. Help us not to turn to other things, to give you our devotion, our love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.